project discussed in this episode applied a participatory action research approach to co-design an online tool that could be used by health leaders and community partners to assess and improve urban health governance. The research team, together with co-researchers who were urban health stakeholders, looked at four domains of governance. Governance itself, leadership, accountability, and multi-sectoral action. To start their research, they first defined what those terms meant for them within Guatemala, within two urban municipalities. They then together looked at existing tools to measure governance performance and use these to design their own context-specific online tool, which they could then apply to rank their own current performance and identify areas for improvement which they could then track over time. The tool involved a number of qualitative questions that required discussions and reflections about governance in their work. This required a level of trust and transparency, which is further explored by our guests in this episode. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. Welcome if you're brand new and welcome back if you're one of our regular listeners. This week's episode is a project that is funded by the Director's Catalyst Fund at the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine. This is a really interesting funding mechanism because firstly, it's funded through donations to the institution and it's there to support early career researchers to accelerate their transition to future international leaders. So it's a small pot of funding where early career researchers can design a project, implement it, report on it, disseminate it, and really gain that experience as API. Today, we're going to hear about one of those projects that used participatory action research approach in Guatemala to improve governance in urban municipalities, and also hear about another winner of the Director's Catalyst Fund, who will be our co-host. So let's begin by meeting our guest, Guillermo Hegel. Welcome. Tell us a bit about yourself. Hello, Kim. Thank you for the invitation. My name is Guillermo Hegel. I worked in the Institute of Nutrition for Central America and Panama. I was collaborating in developing this project here in Guatemala. Thank you, Guillermo. The interesting thing about Guillermo's role is that you were actually a policymaker when this project started. You had this kind of dual role where you were responsible for delivering health within a municipality, as well as researching to understand how to improve that. Yes, that's correct. I was working in the municipality of Villanueva as health director, starting for 2013, I believe, until 2020. Perfect. Thanks very much. So I'm interested to hear that dual role. We love talking to policymakers. Then when our project started, Jamie Lopez, you came along as project coordinator. Would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you, Kim. Hello, everybody. And thank you for the invitation. I am Jamie Lopez. I am a biologist by training. I was a project coordinator for this project. It was my first time doing a qualitative research, and I have research experience with biological projects. Thanks very much. It'll be interesting to hear cross-disciplinary reflections that you had coming from a biologist background into this kind of research. Cynthia, you did a qualitative evaluation of this study because you wanted to understand how to use more qualitative methods. So also that cross-sectoral background. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, Kim. That's right. I'm a biologist and my background is very molecular. I work mainly in the lab and I was actually part of this project because of the master's that I enrolled in before my PhD. I very much enjoyed the experience of learning a, a bit about qualitative research and learning from this amazing experience from all the participants in this approach. Happy to share everything I learned in this project. 
That's great. Thanks very much, Cynthia. Last but not least, we have our co-host, which our listeners might recognize from our Gender and Health series. Wes, and welcome back to the podcast. I also believe you have an interest in the Director's Catalyst Fund yourself. Tell us about yourself and why you care about this episode so much. Thanks, Kim. I am Wissam Mansour, a health systems researcher at Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine. I consider myself lucky to be awarded the LSTM Director's Catalyst Fund to start a new project in Egypt about workplace sexual harassment. I'm really interested to join you today. I will learn a lot from your experience on using participatory action research with the community and policy makers. Thanks, Wessam. I think for our listeners, it would be useful to understand a bit about how you managed to secure that funding. Was it just a straightforward application process or was it a bit more complex? I have applied for this grant three times. It's really hard. It's a learning process. It's important to identify what kind of work you want to study or work on. I believe that peer review is a really good idea and it helped me a lot. At the end, I got the fund and I'm happy that I will start with this study in Egypt, although it's really a sensitive issue and I'm struggling with some ethics applications and approvals in country. But I believe it, it's again a learning process. That's great, Wesem. I think you're right. The focus of this funding to help early career researchers to transform into that independent researcher is really important. It's nice that you kept applying and it sounds like you've really honed those skills because now you have the funding and it's the next challenges around <laughs> getting that ethical uh, approval. Wesem, do you want to start with some questions? I think as a start, we might need to get an overview about the health system in Guatemala. Guillermo, would you please provide us with a very brief overview about the health system there? Guatemala is located in Central America. It's a small country. We have around 18 million people and uh, a little bit less of half of the population is located in the central region, close to metropolitan area. And we have a very high out-of-the-pocket expenditure. We have a Ministry of Health that it's covering around half of the population. There's a lot of groups that are not being attended or reached by the health system. We have an organized social security, like an insurance, that it's compulsory, but only for those that have a formal job. And that reaches only around 12% of the population. We have this situation in which there's no collaboration between the Ministry of Health and the Institute of Social Security in our country. They work by themselves. And we have the private that it's growing more and more over the, over the years. Within all that, we have this rapid urbanization that it's going on all around our region. This is a, a problem that is as well something we need to tackle. And on top of that, we have 21 different cultures in our country. So that means that we speak different languages in different regions, and that makes it a little bit more complex. I know there's a lot of listeners with different backgrounds, so... Just to add a bit more, we have at least 10 of the 20 neglected tropical diseases recognized by the WHO. And among them, the most prevalent are dengue and the arboviral diseases transmitted by mosquitoes and other important diseases such as malaria and children malnutrition, which is not a vector-borne disease, but it's also a, a huge problem. Other vector-borne diseases, I know Cynthia is interested in this and maybe other people from the audience. Uh, we have Lishmaniasis, Chagat disease as well, and rabies. We are one of the few remaining countries in Latin America that have rabies transmitted by dogs. We hear this all the time, this double burden of disease, because 
Yeah, well, I know non-communicable diseases are hugely on the rise, especially in those urban cities you're talking about. And did you say only 12% of the population have formal jobs where they can access social security for health? Was that right? That is right. They have different numbers depending who is expressing data, but it's uh, between 12 and 20. This is interesting as well because the amount of people that have a formal job, it's above 30%. That means that there's a group of population that has a formal job, suppose, but they don't have access to the institute or to the social insurance. At national level. I think that brings us quite nicely onto this idea of understanding governance. As I introduced earlier, the project was to try to measure and improve governance in urban municipalities. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the study and why it came about and the model it used as well of participatory action research? When we were working in, in Villanueva as health director, we started to understand that there was a big gap of need for health services. We had more than 700,000 population people in evidence in, in Villanueva. We had only uh, four clinics from the Ministry of Health and only one clinic from the social insurance. The mayor decided to start a network of health services to provide a better quality of service to the population. While we were doing that, we found out that we didn't have a, a commission for health. So we founded a commission for health at municipal level from that commission, we started to ask what was the needs that they found as important for improving health itself. After a while, we understood that um, even working and developing more and more clinics was not going to be enough. So we decided with some support of the Institute of Tropical Medicine, at that time I was doing my master's degree there, to develop a municipal health policy. And with this municipal health policy, a lot of different ideas came out to try to put together in a participatory way this policy. We used a methodology called Urban Heart from the World Health Organization. It happens to be that um, conditions related to governance in this methodology was not too well described. We were struggling a lot to develop this municipal health policy. We almost took three years. With that lessons learned, we found out that it could be really interesting to develop a tool that could help us to understand better governance at the municipal level. And that we built this project and the idea was to try to understand better different tools that talked about health governance and identify which of them could help us to increase the participation of citizens in different ways to, to be enabled to identify it if there was enough information to develop a policy or a plan, for example. And that was, for me, was an excellent experience because we got a lot of ideas out of that and how to understand better the, the conditions for health governance from different, like, different points of view. That's great. Thanks very much. Jamie, I wondered... If you wanted to come in here, participatory action research is the model of co-production that was used. And I believe it was with policymakers and different stakeholders involved in formal health delivery. Can you describe participatory action research from your experience in this project? For me, was the first time I had listened about that approach to do research. I was very interested in learning how to do it. And I still think I need to improve a little bit more. It was a great experience. I find it a bit, I'm not going to say complicated, but complex because it's not a linear process. It is a horizontal work. It's not a vertical work. So it's a horizontal one that we all, as co-researchers, 
nobody is above anybody and we all share our experiences. As a citizen, I'm not living in those municipalities, but I had never heard of a municipality doing this kind of work before. So I think, one, it was innovative. Second, the approach was also, the power approach was also innovative. And third, engaging with people that were policymakers. It was also a new experience for me because I had engaged with people in the communities, in households. So it was very different than doing it with policymakers. And these people, they are doing their job. They know a lot. And to sit some policymakers with citizens and to share the experience, to share ideas all in a horizontal way, it was very interesting to see all the power dynamics that were in the tables because we saw them and we were taking notes on how to improve them. I think at the end, people understood what we were trying to do so that everybody could be heard and the opinions could be heard, even if they were different and everybody could speak in a safe environment. It was a very interesting process, seeing how every time it changed and everybody just was engaging each time. Could you tell me what were the objectives of the program? Do you think they were achieved very well or not? I guess another question is, how did you manage the expectations of stakeholders that were involved in this project? Our first idea was to develop a tool that could somehow make a summary of the understanding of what was going on in the municipalities and plan to reduce those gaps that we found during the process. This was the main objective. And the idea was to use the participatory action research method to engage different actors. We believe that we have achieved the goals in general because we managed to develop the tool. We managed to connect with those actors and the learning process was there. We felt it went short in the process of piloting the tool because we managed to use that only once. I believe that was mostly because of COVID-19, because it happens just in these times when we were finalizing the project. I believe that in, in general, we managed to learn and to reach the goals to understand better how health governance was organized to develop the tool and to contact and have this learning process with, with the actors. I think just to add a little bit of context there, the tool, it's a series of qualitative questions that policymakers can ask themselves. The tool was an app that you could use where these questions could be answered and built on and you could rank your performance against these questions. Jamie, I know you want to come in here. Maybe you could come up with some examples of the kind of questions we were asking. Just to add a bit to what Guillermo said, I think that we also achieved empowerment of the people that were collaborating with us in this project. It wasn't part of a goal, but it was very important as well to see how people started, yeah, to collaborate and then just talk a bit more and be more expressive. And I hope that we made a long-term impact with people so that they can use this methodology in other parts of their work. About the tool, some of the questions were very self-reflective because people were well, policymakers. So they had to think about their own job, their own performance, and to reply in a very honest way of we're doing this correctly, we're not doing this correctly. I think the most um, general question was, is there a health policy in your municipality? I think that only, correct me if I'm wrong, of the 340 municipalities in Guatemala, only Villanueva can reply, yes, there is one that at least was prepared. I think nobody else can say, yes, we have one. So starting from there, are there health plans on your municipality? 
and how is the citizens include in accountability process, um, how is multi-sectoral action, which of the sectors are involved, et cetera. Great. And I think there was a ranking system, so a traffic light, it's a green, yellow and red, so you could see where your improvement needed to happen. Cynthia, you have some comments. Yes, because when Jamie and Guillermo were talking about this participatory action um, research, some of the words that you mentioned reminded me of the same exact words that the participants used. They were very aware that this process was horizontal and cyclic. These were literal words that they used. I think you were right, Jamie. They absolutely understood the concept of the whole process. There was lots of sense of ownership of this project and empowerment from the participants. Yeah, I think you really succeeded at implementing this model into this project from the participants' point of view, at least. Yes. I still want to know more about how you manage the expectations of a stakeholder, how you manage these power dynamics. I'm starting to speak with people in Egypt and I anticipate or I can see how high their expectations are. So I want to learn from your experience, how do you manage these expectations? I think the first part of the process is very important in Villanueva for us because we had already developed the municipal health policy and there was some gaps of needs that the parts that the members of the commission, the health commission, knew that they wanted to address and they were really willing to participate. It was easier to try to brainstorm whom, because this was the way we did it, whom could participate and contribute to develop these questions that we wanted to review. In the case of MISCO, it was a little bit more difficult because we had some contact with them. They knew us because they were a municipality as well, and they meet in different types of spaces They were really wanting to know what they want to come out of this process. And it was nothing that specific, but it was important to, to let them know that this was going to be the basis for them to develop other types of actions and understand better the process. So try not to promise something really important or funding was going to come out of this, but really the process and the learning they will have around these topics that they needed to talk, for example, uh, how engage with the citizens in collaboration to the municipality. They wanted to connect and understand, but they didn't have this type of connection that we had in Villanueva with the citizens. We tried to show them this is possible and this is an opportunity for you to try to build that trust with the citizens and develop other types of actions that might be better for them to work together. I believe that was part of our pitch to the municipality and the Ministry of Health was already interested because of the municipal health policy, they saw it was possible to build in just a neighbor municipality that was Villanueva. That was how we managed those expectations and these power issues. It wasn't a smooth process at all times because of course COVID hit partway through. So Jamie, I think it's really useful to talk about engagement process and keeping policymakers embedded and participating and the struggles around that. If you could also add the sensitivities because it was a governance project and you're talking about government and governance. So maybe you can talk about both those things. At the beginning, it was very nice because we were all meeting in person and in-person dynamics are very different. You express yourself different and you have the feel of, of, the, of the environment when you are, are in, a, in an in-person meeting. For the first in-person meeting we had in Mexico, 
it was a complete success because we had stakeholders, many institutions that were working in the municipality, like the firefighters, people from traffic regulation as well, not only from departments of the municipality as an institution, but other institutions, I think, and citizens were also there as well. So it was a huge event. We had a lot of people and you can see all the tables just discussing and everybody talking and writing in the flip charts and giving their own ideas. However, sadly, COVID hit and the regulations from the government were that we could not meet in person anymore. So we started to move everything to an online format. We did Zoom meetings with the people from the, each municipality. We divided them because the perspectives were different in Villanueva. They already had a structure. We already knew the gaps. And in Misco, it was starting from scratch. So we divided them. Also wanted to start pilots in and improve the questions. So we couldn't do it with flip charts and presenting each of the questions. So we did Google Forms. And we did a Google form for each of the domains we were exploring, governance, leadership, accountability, and multi-sectoral actions. We sent them to all the people that we had already recruited. And we were expecting them to not only to improve the questions, but also to start giving evidence on how we could ask these questions when we were implementing the tool. We had a lot of success on that because people took their time, they wrote, and mostly because in MISCO, they don't have a municipal policy health policy. I think that made them think about the gaps and the needs. We collected information in the Google forms and then we presented that on the online meetings in Zoom. That's what we start to see a little bit of people were uncomfortable sometimes. Not uncomfortable with the project, but we had a political change at that time in Guatemala. People that were still working for a municipal institution were afraid of expressing their own opinions or having their name written down because they could have problems in their work. So they told us like, could I just add this in the chat? Could I send this to you? Could I not speak? Could I change my name so that nobody knows I'm here, but I really want to participate to improve our municipality. It was a challenging point that people were still trying to collaborate and to give their own opinion. So we, of course, we let them whatever they wanted to make to feel safe. So yeah, that was one of the things. The other because we were doing the Zoom meetings after work, because of course we couldn't ask all the people to join in a meeting while they were at work. Not all the people were connecting and we saw the number of people connecting grew smaller. And at the end, the same people were connecting and we were already had a dynamic on how to do it. Still, we collected information, but the number of people that started until what we had when I left, it was, it had reduced more than half. Still, we managed to do it and people were connecting, were on time. It was very interesting. Even if we were just five, six people, it was a very interesting dynamic. Everybody was speaking. Of course, when the number reduced, the people that remained were, of course, more interested in doing this. It was a safer space. So everybody opened again their microphones, their cameras, because it was a safer than how we started with a lot of people. So yeah, that's one of the main challenges we, we had. That's great. Cynthia, please. I think Jamie summarized really well the opinions from the participants during the reflection stage, during the interviews. Actually, uh, participation was one of the main challenges that they talked about. Of course, COVID was one of the main reasons why participation decreased. They said that obviously they enjoyed more the in-person activities. So obviously people like to gather and be together. But also something interesting they said is that they were actually really proud of themselves for being able to overcome this challenge and be able to still keep participating through an online format. 
Also, as you mentioned, and Guillermo mentioned, the political situation with the change in the government was another thing. The participants also talked about this and their fear of speaking sometimes and the lack of time because of the conflict between work and the authorities that they work for. Just to build on that, Cynthia, what were some of the things they gained from being involved in the process? This is actually a, the big question, right? Because a lot of the conversation was around this. So the participants were really excited about this whole participatory research. They gain a lot for the professional development, but also for their personal development. None of them had done this kind of process before. So that's the first thing. I think, as I mentioned before, they, they understood the concept perfectly. And one of the things that they valued more is that they feel as valued as everyone else. So they felt that everyone's opinion was important. So they had this sense of ownership over the project. Something that they mentioned as well is that this kind of methodology could be implemented in other types of projects, not only for this specific project, but for many others. I think this also leads to something that Guillermo mentioned before about trust between the authorities and the population, that this kind of process could really help to strengthen this trust between the two parties, like the authorities and the rest of the citizens. And in the personal level, what they gained was first knowledge about all this that they didn't have before, but also they built this network between each other, friendships as well, and they learn on how to reflect of, of the things they do. So not just like from a judgment, but more of a reflection on their own learning process and above all empowerment, which I think that's something that also Jamie mentioned before. They really had this sense of empowerment over this. Overall, they considered this as a very valuable methodology for the, this project and, and other projects as well. Thank you. Yeah, the participatory process is very reflexive and it's good to hear that they found that space as well. Guillermo, do you have something to add? Yes, I was just reflecting a little bit of how we were organized. We were a co-group of researchers that were more or less kind of coordinating all the administrative part of it. And then we had this group of researchers that was the main group of people that participating in the research directly. There were a group from Villanueva and a group from ISCO. With them, we did this identification of other stakeholders that were participating in the workshops as well. I think that was very good because that managed to get the core researchers very empowered and understanding the process and helping to develop the workshops with the citizens and the stakeholders involved. That's really useful. Just before I hand back to West Ham to close up, Jamie, did you have anything you wanted to add there? I think coming back to the challenges. I think also we were hit on a personal level because we lost one of our most precious members of the team due to COVID. He was a medical doctor fighting in the front lines. When he was there, he got exposed and sadly he died. So this also obviously was very sad. It put us, we had to pause a bit on the project. They also made, made us reflect on the importance of this project because if some of the policies or some of the health system was a bit stronger, probably this wouldn't have happened because it didn't have to happen like that. So this was also a big challenge for us. And I think we, we always kept him in mind when we were continuing to do this project and to try to provide more information to, to avoid situations like this. And I actually wanted to ask Kim, what did you learn? How was your experience with the project in Guatemala? 
a lot of the research that I've done is is participatory research, but less so with policymakers. And I think my role was more as a methodologist. So planning a participatory action research project is a process that's difficult to do if you're not familiar with the context. I think growing through this, I learned how important the political environment is to consider. I learned so much from Guillermo as a policymaker who had taken three years and was so passionate about developing a health policy. And then a change in government can mean all of that is lost very quickly. I think working with communities requires expertise around managing power dynamics, but it was a whole new level for this project. And then watching you both have so much dedication to creating an environment where people could participate. I learned so much from how you did that. I remember you coming with the idea of Google Forms and saying, try a different way. We want to keep people engaged. And I learned from you both doing that and thinking of different innovations that could help people stay engaged. And you were so responsive. Uh, Thank you for that question. Wes, would you like to close this session up for us? This is really interesting. I'm more interested now to see the tool and learn more about it and how you used it. I also hope you disseminate your research finding and we can learn from this on a more broad spectrum. Finally, I want, you, I want to ask you all what advice would you be giving others thinking about working with policymakers and decision makers as a community based on your experience? Okay, from my side, I will tell that flexibility is very important. <laughs> it's important to, to acknowledge that and how different stakeholders want to engage into that. For us, it was a very exciting process. For example, we had at the beginning an idea of making ranking of questions, and then you come out with different equations of how to measure different questions. What they said, because of power balance, they wanted to have the discussions saved and a voting process to get to a consensus and to show who was the stakeholders that was putting in which direction answer to rate these questions. This flexibility as well allowed us to put this as part of the process and was very important for them to feel that their voice was being heard. I think adding to that is perseverance because we found many challenges and many opportunities when we could have said, this is it, we cannot go any further. And we still try to do it in different ways. And we thought about the Google Forms. Yeah. So perseverance and being adaptable as well. Unexpected situations happen. And that cannot mean the end of a project, especially when it's going to benefit many people. Okay, Cynthia, do you want to add to that? For me, it's more learning about Guillermo and Jamie's answers rather than giving my own opinions. So thank you for that. I intend to apply some of these methods in the future for my own research in vector-borne diseases. I think, Cynthia, what you can tell us is, you know, it's so interesting. We work with biologists and people involved in the vector world, if you like. And once they have one experience with participatory research, change their design based on that. So what made you think about it differently? This is policymakers, so it's very different to even engaging with communities. For me, this project completely changed my mind because I come from a basic science background. And sometimes I think when you spend so much time in the lab doing basic research, you really forget about the impact that you can have out there. For me, this project has made me stick a lot into that thought of the potential application of what my project could have. And therefore, I cannot stop thinking of the acceptance of the application of my research in the field. And if I'm studying a certain aspect of the mosquito biology in the lab, 
if that's going to be in the future going to have an application for a control method out in the field, I want to know if the people out there is going to accept this potential control method, right? There's no point in doing that research for me if the people in the field are not going to accept that. I think it's really important to engage with communities and with policymakers and really know their opinion and use that information to design then the research that we do in the lab. That's something that I think would fill a little bit the gap between basic and applied. Thank you so much. Uh, that that advocacy for co-production, again, is really nice to hear and what we're all about at the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. I think one of the key things we did have throughout this project was reflexivity. And having reflexivity mm -hmm. was another way to document the process. Reflexivity is a lot about assessing power dynamics and through reflexivity in our joint meetings, our joint reflexive meetings, we've unpicked that at different levels. My, my piece of advice would be don't forget reflexivity. It's a way to document the process and a way to examine power. So that's all from me and also good luck with your project in the future, Wes. Thank you to everyone for joining us and as always to our listeners. Without our listeners, we cannot continue to capture voices and experiences from different projects. So do rate, share, subscribe as much as possible. Sign up your grandmother, sign up whoever you can. I'm sure we can get more people passionate about engaging with communities and people. Thank you for listening and thank you to our guests. Bye for now. Thank you and best of luck. Bye. Thank you.